My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 73. Hello, folks. Welcome to this edition of The Lawnmower Guru. Looks like that's what I'm going to have to be, well, in addition to being a car guru. I'll keep the name of the show Car Guru because I think it applies to more people. Everybody has a car. Everybody does not have a lawnmower, especially a zero-turn lawnmower. That's what I'm going to be selling. The brand that I have decided to sell is called Ferris. Now, you may have never heard of a Ferris lawnmower, but the rest of the country has. I had never heard of Ferris lawnmowers until I went to Knoxville, and I went to a big, gigantic garden center down there. They have three different outlets in the, the greater Knoxville area. And they just sell the whiz out of Ferris mowers. And then I went to visit another Ferris dealer in Athens, Tennessee, and he sells even more. That's his number one brand. Sells seven different brands of mowers. Ferris is his number one. And, of course, the obvious question is, why? I mean, when you talk about mowers in East Tennessee, you think maybe, I guess, John Deere, Kubota, uh, Exmark, uh, Toro, uh, Cub Cadet, and what's the new? Skag. Skag is another one. Well, they were all taken. And so Ferris was a brand that's, you know, it's number three commercial mower in the country. But what makes it special is for people like me. I mow five acres every week. I know you find that hard to believe. Why would I do that? It's because I like my big yard, and I like it to be mowed. And I like to mow it because it's one of the few things that I can do where I can see immediate results. Everything else takes a while to develop. This doesn't. Two and a half hours later, it's beautiful, and I like to do patterns in it and stuff. I know. I'm weird. But uh, the thing about Ferris mowers is that they have a full suspension. Now, I'm telling you, if you've never done a zero-turn mower like an X-Mark or something like that that don't have any suspension, then um, then you're lucky because your spinal column would not appreciate it if you, you know, mowed a lot with one of those. Now, if you're young, you know, you don't really think about it, but when you're my age, you want to preserve that spinal column, and that's one of the things that's great about Ferris mowers because they have a double wishbone front suspension like a Honda Accord. I mean, they got shocks springs, and it's on the rear of the mower as well. So I think I'm going to love that. I think we're going to sell a bunch of them because people have not really ridden uh, a Ferris mower around here. You don't see many of them, so we're going to do that. We're also going to be selling a trailer line. Uh, they are made in Somerset, Kentucky. It's called Gator Made. So I'm excited about that. No, not Gatorade. That's what you drink when you're hot. Gator Made trailers are commercial-like trailers. I mean, if, if you're in the landscaping business or you have to haul mowers around or if you haul tractors or, or, you know, I guess like a bobcat or something like that, these things are big time. And they have gooseneck trailers and, and fifth-wheel trailers and then trailers that any person could um, tow behind a, you know, a pickup truck or something like that or an SUV. So we think that that's a good complementary year-round type of product. We're also going to be a steel dealer. So, you know, like chainsaws and weed eaters and sprayers and stuff like that. So we're excited about that. Uh, we're also going to do patio furniture, high-end stuff and grills. So it's kind of higher-end stuff than you would find at Home Depot or, you know, um, Lowe's or someplace like that. Of course, I go to those stores all the time. 
because of all the homeowner stuff that we all do, right? So I'm excited about this new opportunity. We're going to locate it at uh, at my building that I already own between Powell's and the Chevy store here in Greenville. So if you need a mower, I'm the guy. All right. So enough advertising for mowers. Let's talk cars, but we'll do it right after this break. Okay, I am back. I told you guys, gals, that I sold a car on bringatrailer.com last week. And it was a 1955 Ford Thunderbird. Probably one of the finest restored vehicles that I have ever owned. And I owned it for a very short period of time. I bought it in March at the Gooding Auction at Amelia Island with no intention of keeping it. I bought it to resell. I thought that it was worth considerably more than it ended up being. How do I know what a car is worth? Well, a car is worth what somebody's willing to pay for it, right? So at the uh, Gooding Auction, I kind of set the bar at the auction, but there weren't a lot of bidders there. But I felt like I had really gotten a, a tremendous buy. The estimate on that car was between seventy-five and hundred thousand. I paid fifty-six thousand dollars for the car with the with the uh, buyer's fee. I really paid fifty thousand, but then Mister Gooding has to add his twelve percent. So, so I bought the car, tra- uh, sent a guy down there to pick it up in a trailer. So there's expense. Got it out. So I have about fifty-eight five in that vehicle. Put it on bringatrailer.com. Cost me ninety-nine dollars to list the car. Ended up selling it for $59,000. Was that a good investment? No. Not from a dollar standpoint. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed having the car, putting it in the showroom. A lot of people enjoyed selling it. You know, there's so many other, I guess, advantages or benefits of buying an old car like that that have nothing to do with the money, although I bought it to make money. I failed in that particular goal. But I met some interesting people, made some great friends. Um, the guy that bought it lives in Chicago, and he's really excited about getting the car. So I sent him a bill of sale. This is what normally what I do when I sell a car on Bring a Trailer. It, the deal is not actually done just because somebody's the high bidder on the car. Because Bring a Trailer charges them a 5% buyer's fee. They hit their credit card the minute they are the high bidder. So he's already got, I don't know, $2,500 invested in the vehicle, something like that. I didn't do the math. But he uh, is motivated you know, to consummate the deal. Now, I've sold over 30 vehicles on Bring a Trailer, and I've never had a deal fall through. Knock on wood. So uh, I call him, and we work out the arrangements for him to wire the money to me. I send him a copy of a bill of sale and a copy of the front and back of the title, so he knows that I'm legit. He knew I was legit anyway. You know what people do now, don't don't you? You know, when they're thinking about buying something from you, especially long distance, they check you out on Google. They check you out thoroughly. They want to see who they're buying from. So he did. He Googled Lenny Lawson, Greenville, Tennessee. And my criminal record came up and, you know, where I robbed a bank and, you know, all this other bad stuff. No, I'm just kidding. None of that came up. Because, but there is a Lenny Lawson. If you Google Lenny Lawson, there is a guy that was, uh, he was a murderer, and he was executed in New Jersey, I think. His name was Lenny Lawson. He used to be the first one to come up. He probably still is nationwide, but if you Google around these parts, it's going to be me. 
So I got him all the documentation, and he uh, sent him my wiring, or I sent him my bank wiring instructions. Now, folks, that's a whole lot safer than having somebody send you a check. Don't ever take a check. You know, if you're buying a car from an individual, they probably have a bank account and a bank relationship. They can wire you the money. You want it sent from their bank to your bank account. Now, if somebody brings you the cash, is that okay? Well, yeah, it is, but what if there's some counterfeits in there? You just don't know. I'd rather have the funds wired. That's my recommendation. I'm sticking with it. So that's what he did. Then he called me a few days later. He had a not an unusual request. I've heard this before. He said, Mr. Lawson, I said, you can call me Lenny. He said, Lenny, would you mind changing the sale price on the bill of sale to a lot less than what you sold it to me for? I said, you know, I'd love to do that for you just so that you could, would pay less sales tax when you register it in Illinois. But no, I'm not doing that. He said, well, I understand. So what's he trying to do? Well, because you pay sales tax on the purchase price, there was no trade involved. So he was going to have to pay um, sales tax on $59,000. He wanted to pay sales tax on half of that. Now, that's probably illegal. Yeah, it's definitely, it's uh, called tax fraud. I don't know that he would have ever been caught or that I would in that matter, but is it worth but is it worth the risk? Nope, it's not. So when somebody wants to break the law, you know, even if it is tax law, I know how people feel about paying taxes and all that, but if somebody wants to do that, um, you know, you got to kind of question their moral fiber, don't you? Maybe not. I don't know how you all look at that, but that's just kind of how I look at it. So anyway, I'm not breaking the law for you or anybody else. Got too much to risk. I do want to talk about some other ways that you can be burned on a transaction. You know, if, if, if you send money to anybody without some type of verification, I mean, really, I could have taken advantage of him just by sending him a, a PDF of the title, a fake bill of sale. He sends me, he wires the money to me, and he sends, uh, you know, he wants me to ship the car to him. He says, say I volunteer to ship the car to him in the price. And he's waiting there on a Saturday in front of his house, and, you know, the car's supposed to be there at 10 o'clock, and there's no show. That very thing happened to me. Uh, I had a sales manager that was working for me. I thought he was great. He did come from... Arizona worked for a lot of different dealers. His his brother was in the car business, very successful. He just wanted to move east, and we just connected and ended up. Uh, he came to work for me as my general sales manager, and everything was fine um, for I'm going to say about four months. And then one day, he came in to me and said, "Hey, Lenny, my um, my dad is wanting a motorhome, and I have found this motorhome, and I was wondering if it was okay to buy it through the dealership." And then, um, then I'll buy it from the dealership. And I said, uh, so how are you going to pay for it? He said, well, I'll get you the money, and then you can send it to him. I said, okay, in that case, if you get me the money first, then I don't mind sending the money, your money, to the guy in Arizona, wherever the vehicle was. Well, I went on vacation. And while I was gone, he goes to my office manager and said, uh, Lenny said that we it was okay for us to wire some money for this motorhome that my dad 
is wanting us to buy. And he provided her with the paperwork, and she said, Lenny said this is okay. Yeah, I cleared it with him before we, uh, before he left for vacation. She wires the money to an account in Atlanta, to a bank in Atlanta. And so the, the motorhome was supposed to show up the week after I got back. So I get back and uh, come into the dealership on, I think it was on a Tuesday, and, and my office manager said, hey, Lenny, um, I just want to let you know that we wired some money for a motorhome for such and such as father. And I said, well, did he give you the money first? He said, no, he said it was okay for us to just wire the money. Uh-oh. So I went straight to him. I said, I thought you and I had an agreement about this motorhome. He said, oh, it'll be okay. It's supposed to be here Saturday. Don't worry about it. I'll make it good. If if, for some, if something happens, I'll make good, make it good. Oh, boy. Okay, whatever. So Saturday comes. They're supposed to deliver the motorhome. By 6 p.m. when we're getting ready to close, it had not showed up. And so... They called me from, I was, I had already gone home and they said, well, Lenny, the motorhome didn't show up, but I'm sure there's a reason, it's probably just a shipping issue. I said, well, have you contacted them? What have they said? And they said, well, I haven't been able to get them. You know, all these alarm bells start going off. Well, on Monday, nothing. Tuesday, nothing. I said, Kevin, you're going to have to uh, pay me. Whoops, I said his name. Kevin, you're going to have to pay me. You're going to have to uh, get this money to me because I'm not, I'm not carrying this for you. He said, okay, I'll get you a check. Well, that was a, a week before Memorial Day, and we were open on Memorial Day. So Memorial Day comes along, and Kevin's supposed to be there for work. No Kevin. He's gone. I called him. He actually answered the phone. I said, where are you? He said, I'm in Texas. I said, what are you doing in Texas? You're supposed to be at work today. He said, well, I had another job opportunity. I, I probably shouldn't have picked up and left and everything like that, but I had another job opportunity, so I'm, I decided to take it. And I said, well, that's wonderful. I said, okay, what about the motorhome? What about the money? I'll send you a check. There was never any check. There was never any motorhome. He had taken a picture of a motorhome that was for sale in uh, some lot in Arizona. I should have known when I saw the picture of the motorhome. I mean, it was obviously a very expensive one, something that probably sold for at least a quarter of a million dollars new. And he was able to buy it, and it was only a couple years old, able to buy it for like, I don't know, 75000 He had sent a 32000 deposit. My money. So he was gone. He was in Arizona. And so I kept working him. I tried to get in touch with, with his dad. His dad passed away in the interim. While all this is going on, his dad passes away. I keep getting in touch with him. He said, well, I'm going to make it good and so forth. So I sued him in the state of Tennessee and had to actually have the lawsuit domesticated in the state of Arizona. That's what you, the process you have to go through. So I sued him, and then uh, he filed for bankruptcy. I got judgment, by the way, in Arizona. Whoopee. I think he sent me about $1,500 total before he filed for bankruptcy, and that wiped it off. So I lost $32,500. Now, could I have prevented that? I thought I did. I thought I took some steps to, to take care of that. I didn't think he would go behind my back to the office manager and get her to send out the money. Um, I just didn't think that was an issue. Well, guess what? We changed our rules at Gateway. And when it comes to buying vehicles, everything has to be cleared through me. And nobody's sending a check out for something like that. 
unless they buy something at, at the auction. But, you know, we're protected if we buy something from an auction, if we buy something from another dealer, and, you know, we're swapping checks or something like that. I'm, I'm covered on that. But you may say, well, why didn't you file this with your insurance, Lenny? I did. They turned it down. They say they do not insure when you send money out of the dealership. And um, if, if you don't have something like a vehicle sitting there, like if, if it's a bad check or something like that on something that you have, then they'll cover it. But if you don't have it, if you're just speculating and you're throwing that money out there, it's, uh, that's the kind of self-inflicted wound that they don't cover. We changed our coverage. We didn't change our insurance company. But we changed our coverage. It was part of something called errors and emissions coverage. And we enhanced that so that if we ever do mess up something like that again, then we're covered. You know, if we buy a bad car at an auction, we have we buy insurance. It costs about $250 a car that will protect us for like 30 days. And so anytime in that Within the next 30 days, if we inspect that car and we find out something about it that we don't like, we, we can just not like the color, and we can send it back for any reason. Now, that insurance, if, if you abuse that insurance, then they'll drop you. They won't cover you anymore. And we got, almost got to the point where we were, we had used it a lot, but there were a lot of fishy things going on at the auction, and we were getting cars that were misrepresented. So what do you do? You just... About the only way to buy cars at the auction and not risk getting something bad is to go to the auction the day before, evaluate the car, drive it around the lot, just make sure, look underneath it, raise the hood, pull the dipstick, make sure the oil's good. You know, just look the car over, pull the vehicle history, make sure that's good. You know, find out where the car came from. Did it come from up north, you know, where there's a lot of rust issues? There's so many things that I know to inspect that the average consumer would not. So you just have to be careful, you know, when you're buying stuff and, and also how you're paying for it and when you're paying for it. So this is a, a cautionary tale. It's one where I learned from my mistakes so that I can help other people uh, not make the same mistakes. And so just be careful what you buy and how you transfer money. Okay, I'll take my last break and be back here in just a minute. I just don't like crooks. You know, I don't like it when somebody takes advantage of me. And I don't like it when I see somebody else that may be working for me that is not being completely open and honest with a customer. You know, one of the things that I have heard over the years, my this used to rake my dad over the coals. That's what he used to say. That just rakes me over the coals. Is when a uh, an employee would say, like a customer comes up and said, uh, did, did they order my parts? And the service advisor says, oh, yeah, they ordered your parts. And then my dad would walk up after the fact and said, are you sure they ordered the parts? Well, I think they did. Oh, that would rake him over the coals. He would say, don't ever say something that you don't know for a fact is true. Uh, if, and that applies to any time you take your car in for service. I mean, if they say, well, it's going to be done at 3. Are you sure it's going to be done at 3? Well, we hope it's going to be done at three. It's a big difference between sure and hoping. And so, you know, you always ask that last question because, you know, you may be getting ready to go on vacation somewhere, right? I mean, I hope you haven't waited till the last minute, you know, to get your vehicle checked out. 
We've all done that, though. We were headed to Disney World for the first time. I think it was like 1973. We were headed down there in a big Caprice Classic estate wagon. My my parents were uh, taking my brother and I to Disney World for the first time. And, of course, it was a brand-new Caprice. It was my dad's demonstrator. We got all the way to Valdosta, Georgia, and started hearing a wrong, 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 and it was a wheel bearing that was going bad. I didn't know that at the time. I was not a car guru at the age of 15. But uh, we pulled over and went to into the uh, dealership, nearest Chevy dealership, and my dad goes in and introduces himself as a dealer to the dealer, and, boy, you could those people just hopped to it just then. Would they do that for you? I don't know. You know, you just don't know. But my dad had a little leverage, and he's a nice guy anyway, and so they jumped on it. Um, this was a Friday, so they actually came in on Saturday. They had to order the part. It came in on the General Motors truck, and they installed a new wheel bearing, and we were rolling to Disney World from that point. You don't want that kind of stuff to happen, but when it does, thank goodness today we have things like roadside assistance, that, you know, an 800 number that you can call. We didn't have those back then. You just had to find the place. And hopefully there will be somebody that will take care of you if you have that kind of issue. But get your car ready before you go on vacation. Get all those little things, all those fluids that we talked about yesterday, checked in your vehicle to make sure that they're ready to go, you know, that your air pressures are up to where they should be, that you have good tire tread. You know, don't travel in a in a risky car. It just doesn't make sense. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will see you next time.